podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Podcasting to you from a field here in beautiful rural Ireland, I'm Trev Downey and this is Malby on the spot, your weekly chance, thanks to Anfield Index Pro, to hear the wit and wisdom of Liverpool and Denmark legend Jan Malby as we talk about all things Liverpool Football Club and some other things besides. So let's begin it once more. Good evening, Jan. Yes, good evening, Trevor. I hope you're well. I am, my friend, I am. We have uh, no end of things to discuss tonight. Uh, Two games to look back on, two games to look forward to. Um, and several other little incidents that are taking place around the football world. Uh, we'll delve into one or two of those as well. Um, the most uh, bananas one I've just seen, and this is uh, completely out of context. I'm not going to try to explain it or where it comes from because I don't know, but I've just seen a discussion here um, where uh, they have done one of those lovely graphics uh, showing uh, Cristiano Ronaldo as centre forward for PSG uh, with Messi one side of him and uh, uh, I think Mbappe the other. And I'm just wondering what in the name of God is going on here. Um, oh no, sorry, it was Neymar the other. I think they must be expecting that Mbappe will go. Uh, and this is a plan for next year. Have you heard anything about this, Jan? No, I haven't. Uh, but I, I watched a little bit of PSG at the weekend when they lost and and Neymar and Mbappe played. There was no Mbappe. Uh, sorry, Messi and, and Neymar played. There was no Mbappe. Uh, and I'm kind of looking at that team and I'm thinking, you know, 50% of that team is Mbappe. So could you imagine if they decided, well, they wouldn't decide to let him go, but he would go. And then they'd replace him with Ronaldo. I, I just couldn't imagine that in a, in a million years. I mean, they're trying to establish himself as a as one of the big boys in, in European competition. And, you know, taking Messi was a was a gamble because that hasn't been a, a rib-roaring success. I would be amazed if they needed another shirt seller. Yeah, that's the thing. It's If it's a purely commercial uh, thing, it makes it seem, would appear to make little sense for the people considering the owners. Um, if it's a footballing decision, that makes even less sense to me. So watch this space. Maybe it's completely nonsense, but... We do start to, to to get to where we want to go, which is back to um, Liverpool Football Club and the results we've had of late. And um, if February ended with uh, a lovely bit of trophy uh, uh, trophy winning and, and silverware hoisting um, against Chelsea in the League Cup final, then March has begun pretty effectively. Um, functionally, I would say, with wins over Norwich and West Ham. Now, in the remainder of this month, we have on the 8th, uh, that's tomorrow night as we record um, the home leg against Inter, uh, where we're um, up 
um, on the the opposition. And then we have Brighton on Saturday uh, midday, kind of half 12 kickoff in the Premier League. Four days later then, uh, on the Wednesday evening, we have uh, Arsenal away. The Man United game is on the roster here, just says postponed beside it. I have no idea what's going to happen to that. And then on Sunday the 20th, um, which is the last official game in March, we have the next FA Cup game against uh that was that's decided last night i thought maybe was it the 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 opposition we were to face for that i i thought i heard that that game was oh no it's tonight that game isn't that correct yeah so it's monday night we're recording this trevor and yes uh, nottingham forest are playing huddersfield uh this evening and then we, we will know the, the, the who's going to play each other in the four quarter finals and and uh you know whether we play i guess the friday night might come into play isn't it so you might potentially look at that games on the 18th, 19th and 20th uh, of March. Well, certainly Monday the 21st won't come into play because it's international break. But uh, yeah, it's 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 another sort of, you know, it's it's another icing on the cake, isn't it? We've got a quarterfinal, the FA Cup to look forward to. And you know what a win in, in a quarterfinal means. It means another match at Wembley because both semifinals as well as the final will, of course, be at the new Wembley. Which is what we're trying to very much encourage <laughs> our team to get used to doing, uh, which is being at that place, at that stadium and winning football matches. And the reason that we can look forward to that quarterfinal is because of the fifth round victory on Wednesday night over Norwich. Uh, I had a tremendously frustrating experience trying to watch this on streams. Uh, I've, I've often complained about it. Just my poor internet here means I can't get the usual kind of thing that most people can uh, uh, avail of. So if I can't pay for it via the big boys of the satellite world, then I'm kind of screwed. And these choppy streams that I was watching were an absolute nightmare. Um, I did get the impression that we were very much strolling to it uh, and then perhaps let Norwich in uh, a little bit and it made it sort of unnecessarily nervy uh, towards uh, in the second half. Again, from what I could deduce, um, what was your impression of the match overall, Jan? And I mean, I think it would be very, it would be churlish to say that they didn't deserve to win it because it was such a coast. Uh, they were really coasting to it in the first half. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether to, what what to make of the fact that there was that goal conceded. It's almost like a, a, we need to have an inquiry now. If we even concede a goal, I mean, it's a two-one win. We should probably just shut up and take it. I don't know. What was your what was your overall take? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're going to get... I mean, we're having a, a tremendous uh, run of, of winning matches, isn't it? And, and in amongst that, there will be games like even the West Ham game on Saturday and the Norris game in the Cup, isn't it? That when we, at the, the end of the season, talk through great moments and memory uh, memorable things, these these games won't be what we talk about, isn't it? But, but, but you need them. So the first thing, and I have to say, Trey, it was predicted on this show, wasn't it? There would be loads of changes. And I think we made, what did we make? Nine or ten changes for the... Uh, for the cup yeah. game against yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Norris, and that that didn't surprise me. Uh, it didn't make a great deal of difference. Obviously, some of the boys who came in. So when you make that many changes and, and you have a look at the players who come in, you know that some of them are sort of part of the rotation, even for big games. And then you know some of the others are just getting another game, uh, which you know for some of them might be the case again in the quarterfinal against whoever we play. Isn't it? So, but in the end. We we have we have so much quality, you know. And you, you you go back two years when when we when we used to 
mainly in the league club when we used to change the the, the, the team. You know, we 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 had to even get some youngsters and and, and some of them in for the under twenty threes. That's not the case anymore, Trevor. Is it? We 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 got a really strong squad and and we showed that. Yeah, the goal we we conceded, but there's nothing the goalkeeper could do about it. And of course, when you're only winning two one, it makes it a little bit nervy, a little bit exciting, isn't it? But in the end. We ran away with them. There was there was some really good performance by some of the players, and there was others that just looked a little bit short of match fitness. You would say as well, wouldn't you? And we have we have to be fair here because the kid has achieved or been given limited chances to to prove his worth. Uh, and on most occasions this season, when given one, you'd have to say Takumi Minamino is is really putting his hand up and saying. I deserve a place in this squad. I deserve uh, minutes on the park in bigger games too, because they were two very tidily taken finishes. So I was very impressed with that. Well, he appears to be one of those that not playing, not being part of, not being really close, and he knows that he won't get any starting in the big games, but he appears not to bother him. A, he's enjoying the experience of being at Liverpool. B, he's using every minute to try and improve himself as a player. And by that, I include all the training and 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 the minutes that he gets in there. So, so I think he's looking at it as a, I think the way you should do, but it can be very difficult for footballers with with egos. I mean, all footballers have egos. It just depends on how big they are. I know some are bigger than others, but we all have egos, uh, and that can be very difficult, isn't it? But he seems to have accepted that. Okay, this is what it is, isn't it? But I will still get opportunities. I have opportunities to be part of, and I get opportunities to play. Uh, Klopp came out after the game and said he felt it was the best game he'd had for Liverpool. If that's how Klopp feels, I think we should all agree that that is probably the case. And scoring two goals uh, was was very nice. I mean, you know, it, it kind of it gives for somebody who's not going to come away with the same career at Liverpool as as Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, or all the others. It still gives him something that because I get when 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 he's back home in in thirty years time as a uh, as a gentleman of a certain age, he'll be talking to his kids and grandkids. And he'll still be talking about it. And yeah, and then we had that game against Norris in the FA Cup. And you know how big the FA Cup is? And, you know, I scored two and all that. So I like his attitude. You know, we all want everybody to play in every game, but that is not possible. And we've been screaming out for big, big, bigger squad for a couple of years now. Now we've got it. We have to accept that some players won't play as much as they want to. But I thought he did well. I've always liked him. I think he's a good player. You know, whether he's absolutely the level that we need in, in, in terms of being in the top two and a long way certainly some way clear of the others and, you know, being probably amongst the three best teams in Europe, which is also the same as being the, between the three best teams in the world. Isn't it? Whether he's got that quality, I don't know, but he's got good attitude gets you a long way to have a good attitude. causes you no problems. I've been a manager myself and the one thing I hated was the footballers where you spend a lot of time and energy. I couldn't have that. This kid, I don't think he spent any time and energy. He comes in every morning, smile on his face, probably speaks very little English, but just gives his best in everything that he does. Uh, I, I, there's an entire show to be had uh, in uh, that little point there. I, I would love to hear all the various endless stories about the players that used to piss you off because they were so high maintenance. I have to say, I think, I think that is a summer show in the making right there when we've got no matches to talk about. But, you know, just in that vein of people being disgruntled, I think it was you who first said it to me, um, and then successively the likes of Aldo, uh, Peter Beardsley, might have Kevin McDonald did, 
a handful of other lads as well, uh, Paul Walsh did, mentioned this idea of when people in the squad, when you were playing, were out of the team. Was it they were? What did you call them? The the the, the sour grapes. Is that right? Does that sound? Have, have I got that right? Yeah, yeah. You do have the sour grapes gang. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, sour grapes gang. So yeah, so yeah. so where I'm going with this is right. Obviously, they're the disgruntled lads who aren't getting the shout for the first team. And you talked about footballers and egos and all the rest of it. But I have to say, I get the impression, because obviously squads were that bit smaller as well, but I get the impression that no nobody was happy being a squad player uh, in your day. Whereas I think there might be a slight kind of mentality shift uh, over the last while where you do see lads who sort of accept their lot. I'm not saying that Taki Minamino is being um, unambitious or just accepting a fate, but there are players who, who who acknowledge that they'll get limited minutes and they seem happy enough to stay around in, 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 if, they, if they're, you know, making a good living and in a good environment and all the rest of it. But I got very much the impression when I was a kid from the limited bits you'd hear that every, everyone fucking hated being out of the team and it was a cause of constant consternation. Um, am I right in that? Were there people in your day who are actually oh, you know what, I'll just tag along here. If I get a game here or there, that'll be fine. I'm making a decent living and that'll do. Because I, I, I don't really, I don't remember people like that if there were. So so this, the Sour Grapes gang was a bit tongue-in-cheek. I actually think that, that, that the ones who weren't involved, they were probably named by some of the bankers in the first team and they went, oh, here they go, Sour Grapes gang, you know. Uh, because when you weren't involved, you weren't involved, Trevor, you know. So you would have a... Say you'd have for the match day at home, you'd have a squad of 14. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then you would come in and 13 players would then play. And then the, the one extra man would then be given a, a ticket for the main stand and he'd go sit in the main stand. And the ones who weren't in the squad, and that could be because of injuries or not being picked, you would then come in off your own accord. You'd get no car park ticket. So you had to find somewhere to park around Anfield. I mean, imagine that today, you know. Uh, where we're going to pass it, find somewhere around the streets of Anfield, you know. So that's what you had to do. And then you'd come in. And it was a bit, you know, like today, I don't know how many they, they have on the coach when they arrive, but I guess every first team member would be on that coach and be taken into Anfield and be looked after. It wasn't like that in our day. So if you were injured or, or, or not in the squad, you'd kind of come in. You walk into the dressing room, you sit in the corner, have a cup of tea. Nobody would talk to you because you were of no use to them. And then you'd go out, out to the gates or into the turnstiles and go and sit in the, in the main stand, you know? So it's kind of, <laughs> you know, when I look back at it, I can kind of understand why it then became a bit of a sour grapes gang. And then, of course, had you not been involved, you didn't have to come in and train on a Sunday. Now, that was inconvenient. Today, footballers are quite prepared to train every day and some days twice, and that's just how they live, isn't it? But it kind of in our day, Sunday was inconvenient and you always feel, why are we coming in training on a Sunday? We're coming in training on Sunday because you weren't involved on a, on a Saturday. So it sort of became, that's that's how it all developed, isn't it? You know, uh, But the worst thing, of course, was that we had a short spell of, of Ray Howden and, 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 and uh, uh, John Oldridge uh, not being involved, uh, especially in away game. Kenny had a period where he wouldn't play Peter Beardsley and Ray Howden in away games because they might not have been physically the strongest, strongest players. So we had a spell of Ray and, and, and Aldo not being involved in away games. And then they would come in and train on a Sunday. And then, of course, because you're out, 
already from the house and whatever they go out on a beer, isn't it? You know what I mean? So it, it was kind of counterproductive uh, having him in on a Sunday anyway, isn't it? But I think it was a little bit of tongue and cheek. So I have to say, and it's easy to say that in my first six years at Liverpool, 84 to 96, very successful. Uh, 84 to 90, sorry, very successful. There was people not happy not playing, but there was nobody who ever threw a towel in or wanted to look to go away. But that changed in the, in the early 90s. But I always remember Roy Evans saying to me, and he said, there's a different breed of footballers. Uh, we have to treat them differently. We have to do things differently. And there was players at, at Liverpool in the 90s who came in, gave it a bit of a go. Didn't Maybe it wasn't what they thought because of, mainly I would think because of the lack of success, you know. Uh, and there was players then who, due to the egos and whatever, just really didn't want to know. Uh, and, and and they fell into sort of that high uh, maintenance category, you know. I mean, there was no breakfast laid on for us when we used to go down to the training ground. But the lady in there, she would make you a cup of tea and a, and a, and a piece of toast. Uh, and then we always had this one player come in and go, any chance, darling, you can do me a bacon butter? And you're thinking, for fuck's sake, we don't do breakfast. You know what I mean? Eat at home, Mr. But, you know, it's like, then you go and address him and go, any chance of a tracksuit bare bottoms, you know, it's cold and you go, fuck, we train in shorts every single day. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was just relentless, you know. You leave on a team coach in a away game and he's three minutes late and people go, a lot of people, even to this day, go, what's the fucking problem with that? And I said, you have no idea. When a player turns up late for anything at a football club, it's World War, we shouldn't say that, but it's it's real trouble, isn't it? You know, when anyone turns up late for anything, it causes all sorts of moves, you know what I mean? People get really pissed off, isn't it? So, yeah, we had some of them who were, who were fucking high maintenance, Trevor, you know what I mean? If you have to be there for <laughs> half nine, why can't you be there for half nine? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if it's even a cultural thing because, you know, I suppose we're kind of famous um, this part of the world for being comparatively relaxed about a lot of stuff. Um, but I, it'd be a personal trait of mine that I, I, I would always rather be an hour early, like a full hour early than 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 a minute late. Like if, if that was the choice, I'll go at the hour early and I'll just sit there. So I get it. Yeah, I can imagine. And I don't know, is, is, it, is it just... Is it other fellas thinking, well, I've made the effort, so why can't you fucking make the yeah, effort? Yeah, of course. It's, it's, it's that always, simple, isn't it? Yeah. It, it's always like that, Trevor. I can get here for half night. Why can't you? And yeah. you kind of look at you and you go, calm down, will you? What's the problem here? And you fuck, you know, like Ronnie Moran, like you just said, Ronnie Moran always used to say, you can never be early, son. You can only, only ever be late, you know, and it's, it's a fact, isn't it? You know. There was no such thing as being early. The, the only notice when you were late. And I have to say, over the years, we were very blessed. You know, we had some very punctual footballers, but we did have a few in the early 90s which sort of turned in when it suited them. And that's what pisses me off even. So Ian Russ and me lived, lived on the other side of, of, of the, uh, the the Mercy Tunnels. And sometimes the tunnel could be closed or whatever, and we'd be late. But you'd turn up and you'd be, you'd be going, listen, I'm really sorry, but the tunnel, I'm really, really sorry. And you look... And others would just turn up and go, what is the fucking problem here? You know what I mean? So what? I'm here now, aren't I? You know what I mean? So it's 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 also how you sort of deal with, you know, sometimes you can't help you can't help it sometimes, you know, crashing the tunnel or whatever, you couldn't help it, isn't it? But you know, but it's the people who turn up and go, What is the big deal? You know what I mean? I'm here now, aren't I? You know. And then when they were there, they did fuck all anyway, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's an attitudinal thing, and you know that is one of the things that we look at with this group. Uh, 
you know, under this manager. And they do seem most of them, from what we can see at least, from what we there's, can see from what there's no one left at that. There's no one left at that football club in terms of a minute late, Trevor. I wouldn't think so, man. No, I wouldn't think so. Did they just? And it's it just, it is not. People always think it's out of respect for the manager. No, it's out of respect for your teammates. Yeah. 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 That's it, it that's it right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's Absolutely. it right there, which is why, which is why those teammates have a right to get pissed off if you are uh, pricking about and turning up late on a regular basis. Yeah, and it's 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 an interesting thing, and you know, <laughs> I think we could possibly think of one or two clubs where that might even still be happening, um, where they would contrast very much with the culture that uh, Liverpool have going on um, um, in the Klopp era. But you know, it brings us to another. Um, Narrowish win, a one-goal win um, in the league uh, at the weekend. Um, thankfully, I was uh, in in working order, able to watch the full details of Liverpool West Ham and do the do the show with uh, with all the information to hand. And you look at the overall stats of the game. You know, I think we had really high kind of pass accuracy and. Uh, more than twice the amount of passes completed than they did by 22 attempts to their 13. Both of us at five on target. We have 70% of the ball. But it doesn't really tell the story of the game. And, you know, you had sort of opened my eyes uh, to uh, the concept of David Moyes as a, a thoughtful football man. Because for a lot of us Liverpool fans, First of all, you're the Everton manager. You're sort of always going to be open and up for ridicule. Then if you decide to make a career choice, which brings you to Manchester United, and things go the way they go, it's always just going to be... Um, it's 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 you're never going to be giving yourself uh, too many opportunities for Liverpool fans to be praising you. Let's put it that way. But I, I, I was really struck by a chat we had a couple of years ago where you were talking about, you know, you had, you had, had a few conversations with uh, David Moyes and that he... He was a very sort of insightful, thoughtful football man. And I'll tell you what, Jan, the truth of that is being borne out um, in this spell that he's having with West Ham. Uh, you know, what, what he's what he's doing with that club is really, really impressive. They're still on a run in Europe. Um, I think we discussed on Raw after the West Ham game that if Moyes was to get them into top six again, it would be the first time uh, the club's ever gotten successive top six finishes um, or top seven or whatever it is, which is a, another stunning stat. And, you know, you, you have to take your hat off when you see a club that's well run and has a game plan. And, you know, they were missing a, a, a vital component for them in Declan Rice and still really carried a very, very big threat, as we had sort of feared they would. I thought it was a really good game. Uh, I mean, obviously, all the stats lean heavily in, in our favour. Uh, but it's like it's like how modern football is played today, Trevor. Is that if 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 you're not if you're not the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City and and and, and maybe some of the other, you have to accept that you play a lot of football without the ball, and it, that can be very hard to accept, isn't it? Because when you start to play football as a kid, isn't it? It's you're associated with with a ball, isn't it? I'm going to play football with the ball. Well, now when you play in the Premier League. You have to accept that a lot of the time you play football, you actually play without the ball. So you have to accept that. And then you have to accept that when you get the ball, you then really have to do things as quick as you can because that's the only chance you really have to hurt the opposition. That's what we saw with West Ham uh, on Saturday. The chances that they created was in really quick turnovers uh, where they, they, they got themselves through the, 
that first press and then a couple of good passes and, and, and they were in for really, really good chances. And so David Moyes was always going to be a success at clubs like Everton and West Ham as long as they gave him the time because he's quite capable of doing the job, but you need to leave him on his own and, and, and just go, listen, I believe this guy can do the job. Leave it. It's not going to happen overnight. There's not, no success for David overnight. It takes time. But you look at the players that he picks up. I don't think there's a Premier League manager who's bought more players from the Championship and turned them into really good players, isn't it? And I think they showed that today. So when we got the team, you just mentioned Declan Rice. I was happy. And I was unhappy. Because I wanted to see Declan Rice play at Anfield. You know, I've seen him play live twice this season, I, I think. But he's been at home. So I wanted to see him play at Anfield, you know, with with, with, with our press and energy and tempo and see how he cope with that. So I didn't get to do that because I really like him. I think he's a really good footballer. But on the other hand, I was I was made up because you know we wouldn't be playing against one of the certainly one of the better centre midfield players in the, in the, in the land. But nevertheless, without him, they still found a way of uh, being relatively compact. You know, apart from that early chance uh, from 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 Mo Salah, uh, really well worked by, by by Trent's quick free kick. It took a long time before we sort of came to our, our, our second chance and the goal eventually. So yeah, a lot of credit to West Ham. I was taken by something I saw by a, a journalist uh, who's paid a pretty penny to write about football, um, talking about how Liverpool have done so tremendously well to put this run together um, under Klopp and keep the pressure on City, um, but they have a glaring weakness, uh, which is uh, the high line which West Ham continued to uh, expose again and again and again. And um, you read things like that, Jan, and, 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 and just so you realise that you're not completely mentally, you go and you maybe look up a few statistics and you see that the team who has caught, uh, caught the, the opposition uh, offside the most is Liverpool with a hundred and something. I think it's in the teens uh, times. Uh, and the next team down is City with 60-something. And then you realise, OK, so we've nearly done it twice as much as Manchester freaking City. Uh, so maybe it's a ploy. Maybe it's deliberate tactic. Maybe it's something we do brilliantly. And maybe just because of stupid decisions uh, made by the run- people who run the game about not putting up flags, it gives the impression that other teams are exploiting in inverted commas our high line, but they're not because we're not conceding tremendous amounts of goals and we're catching these teams offside again and again and again. So it really, it, it grinds my gears to hear this uh, it, it pointed at and see it pointed at as, oh, that's how you get at Liverpool. It's nonsense, Jan, isn't it? Yeah. So what do we think here, Trevor? Do we think that the line has got even higher this season? It feels like it. It yeah, does it feel like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I 100% believe that's got something to do with VAR. That Liverpool are saying, listen, you know, we, we, we trust we hold the line. And as long as we hold the line, VAR will help us out in situations where the assistant referee and referees can't make a decision. So I think VAR is, is, is helping us in, in those situations. It gives you the confidence to try these things, isn't it? So if you'd have said six months ago, Seven months ago when the season started, you'd have gone, whoa. And I think we mentioned on this show, Trevor, that is a very high line we're holding. Uh, I think it's fair enough yeah. if you mentioned six or seven months ago, isn't it? But we're still doing it, and it's still very successful. And I also think that 
the stats that's been rolled out to support the way that Liverpool are playing makes that conversation of the high line being a weakness redundant, doesn't it? You know, I mean, so I understand why that pisses you off, isn't it? Because, and can you imagine what it does to the opposition knowing that that high line, which it gives you such little room to play in, you've got no room to want to play one or two passes, isn't it? You, you have to do what West Ham did on Saturday. You have to do it so quick and for some players quicker than what they're capable of. So to call that a weakness is... It, it, but, but but I mean you know for for years they called our full back a weakness didn't they Trevor because they were just too attacking for some people and didn't defend enough you know what I mean so yeah 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 welcome to the world of modern football yeah modern football punditry and journalism it's a, it's it's a, frankly I I think the technical term is a shit show but you know look regardless of the fact that obviously. Jurgen Klopp um, might have a clue what he's doing. Um, and regardless of the fact that we have uh, uh, people who are very good at um, carrying out those instructions and 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 keeping that line together, um, better one might suggest even than the the old Arsenal crew who used to run around with a rope uh, with Don Howe shouting at them, uh, staying in line. Uh, you know, the takeaway for me was. We've got two full backs who are right on it at the moment. Uh, I'm I'm loving Andy Robertson's form at the moment. Trent is just a, an assist machine. Um, but I'm really fond of the partnership of, of Kanate and Van Dijk. And it's no slight in John Matthew, who might be one of my favourite footballers of all time. And you, you never uh, are anything but happy to see him in the team. But I just love... I do love this Kanate Van Dyke partnership. And I think the only uh, hinky moment of the whole match between the two of them was uh, a bit of a dodgy back header by Virgil. But overall, Jan, I think in recent games, he's looking at his absolute sort of majestic uh, best. And the kid beside him, I mean, he's a force of nature. Uh, I've heard people try to describe him as... uh, ungainly and stuff like that and it's just oh, I don't know I get a bad whiff off it because to me watch the game watch how in control he is of various situations someone tried to spin do you remember uh who was it that it was it was it was it was the main man it was uh it was their 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 um their forward uh their center forward it was running down towards the corner flag uh and in the, in the first half in the first half, yeah, yeah. Kanate just m- m- matched him pace for pace and, and, and got there ahead of him and uh, completely comfortably. And I got a real kick out of that because I thought, well, he's, he's got the legs in that lad there. He's like Antonio. I wouldn't like to be up against Antonio like in, in any kind of a physical contest. And he just, it, it was it was easy for him. He just held him off. But people are trying to say, oh, he was under pressure. I, like, I honestly don't know what, what, what people are watching. That partnership, Jan, for me, it I think it is our best. I, I know what Joel brings, but I I, I we've seen, we saw Kanate fizzing balls in defeat as well. He can do that too. Well, that's probably the one thing that impresses me more, uh, Trevor, because when you look at him, and I and I saw him uh, not in a lot of games for Leipzig, but I saw him play some games, and I expected him to be well. I could see he was quick, and I could see he was physically strong. Uh, what he never did at, at Leipzig was get into a real rhythm of, of playing games. But the one thing that's impressed me since he's come to Liverpool is his ability to read the game and especially his ability to read the game with the ball. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a thing, Trevor, isn't it? If you can only play 
the passes that you see. If you don't see it, you can't play it. And I get the feeling he sees it all because he plays some really smart passes straight to the middle at the right time into Sadio Mane, who, especially in the first half, was very good at just dropping into that position and find a bit of spaces. Then Konati almost like automatically go, bang, I've seen it, there you are, there you are. So that's the one thing that impresses more than anything. Centre-halves generally in the modern uh, game, they get more touches of the ball than anyone else. But the majority of them, they pass it to the full-back, to their partner. I think Konati's got more in his locker uh, than that. I don't think he's necessarily a... He's, he's not the same type of a passer as a, as a Van Dijk. There's a lot of switch balls from Van Dijk from, from, from left to right, and he plays long balls in behind. I don't think Konati necessarily is, is that type of a passer, but I think he's a, along the ground, into feet, central passer of the ball. And I, I, I yeah, I mean, he's a, yeah, he's a very, very, very good player. I mean, he enjoyed that physical challenge against Antonio because he knew he wasn't going to come up short. Uh, so, yeah, is, is it our best partnership? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, and it comes back to, and I said it at the time, I was. I was amazed at the interest in the other Leipzig boy that went to uh, went to Bayern Munich over Vulcano, uh, because I always thought that this this fellow looked the better. But of course, you had the you had the slight issue with, with with the injuries that he had. But he looks like he's he's grown up now and he's he, he's there, isn't he? So and maybe Klopp is just looking after him a little bit in his first season uh, in the Premier League to make sure he doesn't pick up some of those niggling injuries that he was famous for at Leipzig. Yeah, well, long may the, long may this form continue. I have to say, it's 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 an embarrassment to Richardson. Poor old Joe Gomez can't even get a look in. And and there was a time when he was performing arguably better than Virgil Van Dijk when they were a partnership. So uh, we are very very uh, blessed in that region of the team. And in midfield, there was very little that Jurgen could have done. I think Johanna, for being perfectly honest. I don't think Harvey Elliott's last couple of showings would have warranted a start. And that was the only thing that I could think of that he might do, given the availability of players that he had. In the end, he went with uh, Henderson, Fabinho and Keita. Uh, I was quietly impressed with the amount of work that Naby Keita got through. Nothing really spectacular that people will be giving him eights and nines out of ten in the paper for, but very busy. Um uh, decent linking of the play, but also intercepting, covering runs, that kind of thing. That's it's you know they used to call it uh, back in the eighties the silent spade work. That's what they used to call it, uh, you know, or the water carrier, you know. And he gets through a lot of that busy work that you need in a team, as well as being a very talented footballer. So I, I have to say I was quite impressed with that, and I wasn't necessarily one hundred percent expecting that that would happen. I thought Henderson a very good first half as well. Some very good progressive passing. Um, maybe not as the game went on so much. Um, and of course, Fabinho's Fabinho. So that was a unit that functioned pretty well, I thought, because you would have been perhaps a little worried um, going into the game. But I, I, I thought I thought they did well, those three. Yeah, they did. I agree with you. Know, Naby Keita has that. He has that ability just to take the play to the other side, isn't he? You know, he has that little change of pace or he has that little shift of the hips and he goes to the other side and this is a completely different game. He has an ability to open up. Uh, so that in itself is good. And Jordan Henderson was, was Jordan Henderson, very energetic. Yes, better first half than the second half. Uh, and Fabinho was, he was okay. It wasn't his best game he's ever had for Liverpool. He missed one or two uh, sort of challenges. But, but you know, again, we, we, we've all done that. I mean, nobody's played a, a game without missing one or two challenges and, 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 and people running past you from time to time. Isn't it? So it was, it was solid. It was solid enough. As you know, Klopp even said at the end of the game, we were, 
you know, it was a tough game, isn't it? And I think that reflects in when you look at a lot of individual performances that there was very few sort of outstanding performances, but everybody did their job and we just kept them at arm's length, although, you know, West Ham will obviously point to those two really good chances at the end. You know, Luis Diaz probably had um, another outing that would encourage um, and, and excite. Um Maybe Sadio and Mo couldn't say that they did. Sadio did the business though by putting his chance away. Mo not so much, and you know he's had a, a couple of bad, badish games in a row by his standards. Um, um, in terms of being able to affect the game in the ways that he does, which is with you know really good uh, passing, which he's thoroughly underrated for, um, or with um, with uh, chance creation or or, or, or goal scoring. Um, Sadio Mane took the opportunity that he had so you can't really knock him on that and he's he was playing that central role until he did it pretty well i mean i'm not there's no it's it's knee-jerk stuff to be talking about uh mo salah in any way other than like you know he's played a, a, about eleven thousand minutes of football so uh perhaps w- we might allow a fella to have a couple of games where he's not exactly stellar uh and that's i would have also thought but kind of bound to happen too um but i'm looking across that the, that front three and and you do diogo jada must be sitting there thinking well Hang about, you know. <laughs> uh, I well, I really did the business when you needed me. I've done the business since I arrived at the club. Uh, you know, I, I, you could imagine he, he's, you know, it, there might be in a few sour grapes in uh, his lunchbox uh, over the last couple of days. Well, I think he'll be privately disappointed uh, because I generally think that he probably doesn't know anymore. He probably doesn't quite know where he is. I think the next big one, the test, is probably the City away game, depending on who we get in the quarterfinal of the, of the Champions League. But when you look at me, you think, well, the next blockbuster is, is Manchester City away. And Klopp often have had a tendency to go with what he knows. So it'll be interesting to see who plays in that game, isn't it? But, you know, Shota is... He, 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 I'm not suggesting he's, he's, he's like Minamino. He's quite happy to be part of it. He's not, because he wants to be out there. And, he, and he, he's more than warranted, isn't it? But it is difficult, isn't it? I mean, what, what, what do you do? I don't think anyone expected Lewis Diaz to come in and have the impact that he that he's had. You know, you think, well, okay, you, you first showed there's a lot of enthusiasm, blah blah, whatever. Isn't it? But if anything, he's, he's probably improved from games to game, isn't he? So that in itself is almost impossible to leave that kid out, isn't it? So it it, it, it is interesting what he's going to do. Uh, I haven't said that Shota played in the cup game and didn't do particularly well, but Shota isn't necessarily one of these players who need to play well to be be a massive part of the game. You know, he can have have his games and still get his goals because he's got an uncanny knack of, I'm not sure what it is in it, but, you know, he influences games in a way that's sometimes difficult to describe, isn't it? So, no worries about him. He's a massive big part of the future. Uh, but as I said before, it'll be interesting to see what happens Manchester City away. You mentioned um, um, before, um, you know, when you were with the club as a player and Preseason would come along and, and someone would have been signed and, you know, you guys be running the the critical eye over the new arrivals and, you know, depending on how they do, you, footballers, I would imagine, are an incredibly critical uh, bunch of people. But it's not, it's, that's not even a footballer thing. If you get, if you get a five mechanics 
together they're all basically taking the piss out of each other and saying your work is shit compared to mine that's what they do you bring your car into a mechanic he'll suck the air in through his teeth and say who was at this car the last time you know that's it's just a natural thing that we do but you also have said that if someone comes in and they're genuinely good that actually gives everybody a bit of a lift and i've heard you know sort of second and third hand that the players are really impressed with Diaz, you know, and they're, they've really taken to him a, but also they're genuinely saying, Oh, we've got a good one here. And that is a lovely lift, isn't it? For the club, especially now at this time of the season. Yeah. And it's an incredible lift for the player because the player will be aware of exactly what you mentioned. I mean, players try and impress players regardless almost of what it is. It's almost impossible. I mean, you have two sides of, of the coin. You have the, the, the public world that we live in where everybody is, over keen to praise people, you know, you, sometimes you think, whoa, 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 let's just take five minutes out here before we decide, isn't it? Uh, but for Luis Diaz to come in, and to be fair, and it doesn't really matter who you are, you come into a new club, you kind of need that. You need that comfort that the players go, he, he, he can play. And that's, it is basically as simple as that to vision. You go, he can play. And by that, you can mean many different things. But you know that when a footballer says about another footballer, he can play. You know he's a good listener because that's nothing to do with, with fitness or whatever. It's, but it's that thing that, that that boy can play, you know what I mean? And I'm sure that everybody at Anfield, even the ones that, that might be paying the price for, for, for Diaz being there, they'll all nod and go, that kid can play. And and to be fair, in every game he's played, he's showed us. He hasn't been at the same level in all his games, but in every game he shows something where you go, whoa, this is exciting. For sure. And, you know, at the end of that game, that hard-fought 1-0 victory, um, Liverpool were three points off Manchester City, level on games played with a superior goal difference to uh, Guardiola's team. And I felt like sort of going around individually to several people and shaking them and going, you see, I mean, stop being so pessimistic. Uh but of course, then United are United have to play them the next day, um, so that you know Manchester City go back to a game more played than us and can extend their lead to six points, which they duly did in a way that, I mean, look, I I, I want to talk to you about this very briefly because I know you're at the game, but I didn't see the first half, and apparently United had some sort of attacking threat at least in the first half. The period of the second half that I was able to stomach. Uh, and I wasn't able to stomach much, much of it. Uh, I, I think I waited till goal number three went in. When I went three one, I said, "Okay, fuck this. They're they're done." Because honest to God, that opening twenty minutes, twenty five minutes of the second half, they are like clown cars at the back. It's it's shocking the levels of stuff that's going on. You've got um, fellas turning their back on the play. Lads not arsed to, to track runners or stick a leg out. Um, absolutely awful passes out from the back. The state of them defensively is unbelievable. And I know they're up against Manchester City, who will happily exploit any team um, and are possibly as the, possibly the best team set up to do that in terms of all the attacking footballers that they have constantly buzzing around them. I, I would say second to us in that regard in terms of pressuring. But yeah, uh, two things. One, we absolutely have to believe we're in this and you can't allow something like yesterday's result to, 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 to cloud that. And two, 
what the fuck is going on there with that shower? I mean, they've got yet another coach in. I see um, the, there's a, a, a lad called Samuel Luckhurst, who is one of a couple of, oh, let's just say, local hacks who write for Manchester Evening News. And he's leaking that, you know, uh, some players have derided uh, Ralph Rangnick's CV, dissatisfied with his methods, questioning why United hired a coach who was working as a sporting director in the Russian league. Uh, some unimpressed with his background in Germany, where his sole major triumph was the German Cup with Schalke in 2011. Uh, it, it seems like it's falling inevitably apart there so two things first of all about being in the title race how are you feeling with regard to that did that kick was that a kick a kick in 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 in, in uh, did it sort of take the wind out of your sails a bit uh and then second have you can you understand what what it is that he's even trying to do or what's going on with that lot so the the title race i mean it it, it just seems to take a bit of air out of the uh the balloon for the title race, but I don't think amongst Liverpool fans, because, you know, as much and I only read this on, online today, but Jamie Redknapp said that Liverpool would be really disappointed with Manchester United's performance. I think Klopp would have looked at that and gone, OK, uh, we can't control that game, so we move on to our next game. Uh, so, no, it doesn't greatly change anything for me, because I think City, if you allow them, are quite, quite capable of doing what they did to Manchester United, but there will be games where teams are set better up and they work harder, uh, and they get a little bit more joy. Uh, first half was was, was very even. Uh, Manchester United look a real threat on, on the counter attack, but as you said, second half was embarrassing. And it's we've all lost games in it, but it's it's kind of the manner you lose games in it, you know. And they gave up, and that should be fair. It's been the story. I'm not telling you something you don't already know. So the story since the game has been, you know, former Manchester United players all having a go at the players and their attitude and not quite understanding this whole thing about playing for Manchester United and whatever it is. So, but in terms of what we're, no, no, I don't think so. I mean, we still got to go up there. They'll still have other games where they can where they can slip up, isn't it? But they, having said that, I had almost convinced myself that Manchester United might get something in this game. At the end of it all, it's a derby. It's, been, it's a derby that over the last two years has, has mainly been won by the away team. And I just thought that Manchester United had those qualities on the on, on the break. But when you have a non-existent midfield and a non-existent defence, you're in big trouble. And that's exactly what they did. So what are their plans? No, I have no idea what the plans is, Trevor. But, but, but to be fair, neither have they. they. They don't know where they're going either. It's very much a sort of a football club, the list for the moment. The moment I was there... The, so the first game of the season, I think it was the first game of the season, where they proud to kick off, paraded Rafael Varane to the crowd. And it creates an atmosphere. And they won 4-1 or 5-5-1 and everybody's. And then the next thing is Ronaldo. It's like, a, it's like a club who lives for those moments. And I call them Instagram moments. Things you can put up on Instagram to your 100 million followers. But it doesn't get you anywhere. Because what gets you somewhere... It's 38 games in the season where you work your socks off in every single game. And when you're not playing well, you find a way of doing things. Manchester United is about something totally different, isn't it? So until they get rid of all that, they aren't going anywhere. And I think a lot of Manchester United fans have reached that conclusion. They've kind of put a, put a line in the sand and gone, I can't take any more of this, Trevor. Because can you imagine the embarrassment of, you know, it's you support a football club and that's what they give you. It's it's very, very difficult to live with. So I think it's fair to say that it'll be a while before we see them back. 
at the level that City and Liverpool are at, 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 at the moment. I always think that the Premier League is a better uh, product when Manchester United are right amongst it. Uh, but it looks like they've got some work to do. And in terms of the manager, I'm not blaming him. Who turns down the opportunity to manage Manchester United? Is he good? Is he not good? I really don't know. But I do get the feeling that first we blamed uh, Mourinho with this group of players and then we blame Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and now with Ralph Ranić. Maybe he runs a bit deeper than just the manager. I always think that the football clubs where the manager's in charge, they're the ones who have success. And I look at the, some of the Premier League clubs and I go, you know, who's in charge of Liverpool? When was the last time we had a player who, in the eyes of the supporters, was more important than the manager? I can't remember that. You know, City, oh, since Guardiola's turned up, isn't it? You know, they're the clubs who have success. It's the managers who can kind of go. Because you can't have, when you drop a player and the player is sulking, i.e. say Ronaldo yesterday. Okay, the story was he was out with a hip injury. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But in the, in the aftermath of it all, there is people trying to put out and support Cristiano Ronaldo, whereas you should, should be supporting the manager and the football club business. So until you get that right and we all roll in the same, we all, we're not bothered to have happy, but until they start rolling in the same direction, they ain't going nowhere. And I think that's a long way away now. It feels like it. It does feel like it. And that's tremendous. Uh, I mean, we, we've been there, Trevor, haven't we? Without, without, I would say, the waving of the flag. You know? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I think it's, there's something about Liverpool that doesn't allow the players to wave the flag. We, 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 we've been done. We've had some horrible defeats. But that's been lack of quality, not waving the flag. But Manchester United almost looks like if someone had gone. And then you hear all these stories the day after. I mean, who are the players to judge the manager? You know, that's not their job. You know, the, the board will do that. You have to do your job. Don't hide behind the manager and you don't pick the team, you know. And it's not as if some of the players are unhappy. I've actually pulled up trees, you know. I heard Eric Bailly is not happy with not playing. He's been there for four years. I mean, why do you think he hasn't played in four years? There's a reason, you know. So, you know. But anyway, the, the, these are the least of our problems. That's for sure, Trevor. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm genuinely loving that Instagram analogy, I have to say. I mean, like, you know, Instagram is one of those places where... Yeah, it's all—it's just all about the image. I, like, th- there are God bless them, um, attractive young ladies who basically have millions and millions of followers who who are basically just arse models. And now that's exactly how I'm going to think of Manchester United from now on. Uh, that's tremendous. I'm very very happy with that. Uh, the, the, in terms of of City, just briefly before we we talk again about the games that are coming up, we left ourselves less time than usual, but that's okay. Uh, you sat there and watched that game. Uh, were City awesome? Um, are they? Uh, was was that what you took away, or was it more the story of the sort of dysfunction of the of their opponents? So we we got we got criticised a little bit by by, by people uh, because we didn't pay enough respect for Manchester City performance. But when you see that yesterday. And what we've seen subsequently, the story is Manchester United. The story will never be how well Manchester City played. It'll always be the disarray that Manchester United are in. So I thought City played well, uh, but I didn't think... I was amazed that, that, that Guardiola came out and talked about the second half was as good as we played since I've been here. And I thought, you know, I, I like teams to play well when the opposition's are playing well. You know, when two good teams go really at each other and you go, wow, that was a bit special, isn't it? But, United didn't play well. Uh, so, yeah, City, City did okay. It took them a long time until they got that third goal. Yes, second half was totally domination. 
but we've seen City do that against against so many teams in the past. And so yeah, I thought City did really well in many ways. City probably needed that. You know, they had to defeat against uh, Spurs at home, and then they went to Everton and won one nil. That was a little bit lacklustre, wasn't it? So they probably needed that second half, probably for themselves as well, because you could sense when you go to to Edshead, <laughs> generally, Trevor, there's a there's sort of an expectation of of what kind of game you're going to see. But, but yesterday, to be fair, against Manchester, there was a, there was excitement and there was a, OK, this is for real now. You know, Liverpool are breathing down our necks. We've we got to get this done. We've got to find our best form. And so the atmosphere was slightly different, which, to be fair, suited the Etihad. There was a good atmosphere. And yeah, in the end, they weren't, they weren't ever so comfortable. Uh, did they play at a level we can't cope with? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, you know, the way that we play in our front boys will, will, will cause any problems. So I have to be honest, Trevor. You know, sometimes I work in the media, we talk about these games and we go, this is going to be a belter, isn't it? More often than not, it's probably not, isn't it? But City, Liverpool, whoa. Yeah, I mean, wow, just like watch this space. And, you know, it's coming up fast on us because um, we have four games left uh, in March. We play Inter tomorrow night. We've got Brighton, um, then Arsenal, and then the FA Cup game. Uh, before a bit of a break and the next scheduled match is the 2nd of April against Watford. Um, so let's talk briefly. There's no point in us talking too much about the Inter Milan game. Not because we're 2-0 up, because anything can happen in a Champions League tie, but rather because uh, the game's tomorrow and people won't really even have a chance to listen to us. So there's no point to spend time on the show talking about the Inter Milan game. It will be what will be, and I'll get a prediction uh, for how you think it'll go at the end. But in terms of Brighton, just to give them a couple of minutes, because like I say, I've gone along on other things and we often do longer on the opposition coming up, but I don't want to disrespect Brighton in any way. That's not what it's about. It's just there were other topics to talk about. Um, they are doing all right in terms of, uh, I'd say they'll be, quite content with where they're sitting in the league uh you know well and truly safe and out of any trouble on 33 points there's a couple of clubs on 33 points um Aston Villa are on it as well as are Leicester and when you think about that Aston Villa and Leicester um for Brighton to be on, on the same in, in the same ballpark as them points wise I'd say they'd have uh, accepted or taken that at the start of the season um in terms of how they've been doing recently, um, you know, just to go back over their most recent results, the last time out wasn't so impressive. It was a 2-1 reversal at Newcastle. Uh, Villa beat them 2-0 before that. Burnley beat them 3-0 before that. Man United beat them 2-0 before that. And you've got to go all the way back to the 12th of February for the last time Brighton won, which is away at Watford. It was a 2-0 win. Um, they were put out of the FA Cup by Tottenham in the fourth round, uh, and the last the, the the three results previous to that were all one all draws against Leicester, uh, against Chelsea, and against Crystal Palace. So it's a poor recent run to say the least. Um, what we we have a bit of experience playing against this lot at this stage. Um, in terms of 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 the threat that they pose, when you think of Brighton. What do you think of in terms of we well, better watch out for X, Y, or Z? So, I think Brighton are having a good season, but current form is 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 not great. I don't think Brighton has any any expectations or right to be anywhere where Crystal Palace or Southampton aren't. That's the kind of level they're at, and these teams will play, will finish sort of between tenth and fourteenth. Uh, but I think they've got a really nice way of playing. 
play real technical football. They play they play in tight areas. They create chances. We saw that at Anfield. They pushed up and, and played really well. Obviously, lack of goals is a massive problem for them. Uh, they don't score enough goals. They don't convert enough of their chances. They they have some really good players. Uh, Neil Morpé is, is is their main striker. He's okay. He doesn't get doesn't quite get enough goals. Although you know every year he's around that ten. Premier League goals mark. Then they got Danny Welbeck who's still on the books and, and gets to run out every now and again. He's a handful with his pace and he's, he's, he's good in the air. And then, of course, they've got all those really good midfield players. They've got a lot of technically very, very good midfield players who can cause you a problem with us. McAllister or Trossard or Lalana. These boys on the day can cause you a lot of problems. It? But, the, but the big thing, the big winner at Brighton is, is the team. It's a real team game. It doesn't massively matter who plays even when they were out players, they still play the same way. They, they, they believe in playing forward. They believe in being brave. Uh, so it, it, it won't be a case of them not wanting to play against us. And I think it could be easy one of those games that it can be really nervy, it can be really tight, or it can be one of them where we just run away with it. Two questions then to finish up. Do you buy into the whole Graham Potter thing? Are you, are you yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. do, yeah. I like the way he has to play and I like the way he gets even what you'd call lesser players believing in the way he plays. But probably the most impressive thing I think of Graham Potter is his in-game management. I think he reads the game really well. I think he's quite prepared to take risks. Uh, so so I like him. I know there's people already now going, is he all that? I, I think he is. I think he's potentially a very smart manager. So you could see him um, at potentially one of the bigger names um, it, it, over the course of his career, or perhaps pretty even soon. Well, it's it's always that case of who's going to be the brave ones, who's going to give him a chance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. I, yeah. I don't, I don't think he would be, he would look out of place, Trevor. You know, and there is, I mean, there's obviously a reason that Manchester United have an interim manager because they can't find what they want. People can't find what they want, isn't it? You know, so uh, you know, maybe this boy is, is, is uh, but he's of course quite happy at Brighton, isn't he? You know, he's, he, he's a good setup. He knows exactly what's expected, isn't he? And it's going to take a lot for him to go under the kind of pressure, isn't it? But no, I like him. I could see him somewhere else. Well, Jan, as ever, we've uh, covered a multitude. Um, so um, for another show where, like I say, talk about round the houses, uh, thanks a million for that, man. Yeah. Inter got their season going at the weekend. They won 5-0, but I think we'll be too strong uh, just 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 in case you won and Trevor. So 2 or 3-0, I'm not sure, but I, th- I think we'll win. I can't see them scoring. They found it really difficult. And Brighton, as I said before, might be a tricky game, isn't it? But, you know, again, same sort of scoreline, 2 or 3-0. Brilliant. I was just going to ask you for that, and you've done it for me. Fair play to you. That's fantastic. That was Jan Mulby. I've been Trev Denny. This was Mulby on the spot. And we'll be back with you, as we always are, next week. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.